Hello, and welcome back to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I'm really excited to intro today's guest to you guys today. She is absolutely incredible, and I have been in love with her from the moment I found her on social media. So today's guest is Peyton Hughes, and she is a super high achiever. She is a really passionate speaker. She's a seven and eight figure business consultant. She's a podcast host. She's a CEO of two businesses. She's part of Forbes Business Council. She's married. She has kids. She's the real deal, guys. But none of that is what drew me to her. What drew me to Peyton and what made me know immediately that I needed to have this conversation with her was earlier this spring when I was, you know, late night scrolling social media like we all do, I came across a video that she posted on Instagram. And it was a video that she had sent to her team a year before in March of 2020. And we all kind of know what happened in March of 2020. But let me just play this snippet of the video for you real quick. Hey guys, I wanted to go ahead and give you a nightly update here from the couch in my house. Um, So much is going on and I just wanna make sure everybody's in the loop. The big um, thing I wanna communicate is Michael and my mindset around this crisis because it may not be the vision that you have or the values that you have around this crisis, but I want you to understand where we're coming from because it's coloring a lot of our decisions. And right there, in just those couple of seconds, I knew that Peyton was the perfect person to bring on the show to talk about leading through a crisis. So with that, let's dive right into episode 25 of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. You're listening to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Chipchinski. It is my purpose in life to use the lessons I've learned from more than a decade of leadership experience in everything from business to politics to nonprofit and the military to help you become the leader you've always dreamed of having. Whether you lead a network marketing team, a Bible study, a global brand, or a family of four, Every week, I'm going to walk you through tangible ways to grow your influence and make your vision a reality. So if you're ready to drop the burnout and bullshit strategy you've been fed and design your own aligned leadership style, you're in the right place. Let's go. Peyton, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I love this podcast and I'm excited for our conversation today. Absolutely. So I know I just went over your bio, but why don't you tell me a little bit more about you? Uh, Okay. So I started my overachieving career. And by that, I mean um, always wanting to prove I was good enough, which is all part of the story. Um, When I was starting off in in marketing at a startup and then kind of found my passion around consulting small businesses, helping them grow from about half a million to eight figures. And that was the fun spot because that typically means they have a management team and it's not just the owner 
trying to figure it all out. But then I, I was hit with a little imposter syndrome after a few years of that going, why am I spending all this time growing other people's businesses for them when my husband over here has been working as a personal trainer in this big box gym and has developed this little tribe of fitness followers. And he's now talking about wanting to move that into its own business and its own brick and mortar and its own standalone business, which I happen to know a thing or two about how to start that, how to work it out, what things to pay attention to, what not. Maybe I should go help him do that. And at that time, I'm a big believer in synchronicities and paying attention to signs. So I do pay attention to things. And for the one time in my career where all of my consulting clients, which were six to 12 month engagements, literally ended the same week. That was around the time my husband was like, you need to consider coming over. I need help in gymnazo. And I was like, when does this ever happen? So I was like, okay, I'm giving my two weeks. I've left no one stranded. Like that empath in me was very happy about that and um, moved into running our business, which at the time was, I think we'd brought in $135,000 that year. So when I jumped ship from my like, oh, I help businesses move from seven to eight figures, we were making barely six figures, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it was a risky move in a way, but we've been able to grow it to a seven figure business. Um, and it's been a really crazy time to be a fitness owner in the world of the pandemic. So I think that kind of brings us current. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the pandemic and and the things that you've learned because the whole reason I reached out to you to come on the podcast was because a few weeks back, you posted a one-year anniversary of this video that you sent out to your team, which yeah. was, by the way, phenomenal. But can you tell me a little bit more about that video and what all that spurred? Sure. Uh, so... As you can imagine, and I love how much you guys focus on leadership and feminine leadership. So it's you always kind of wonder what's going to happen when it hits the fan. How are you going to respond in crisis? And honestly, as leaders, there's micro crises and then there's macro ones. Then this one was just the biggest I could have imagined. It was just felt like it was, hello. Welcome to the Super Bowl. Your team is now playing and you didn't know that you weren't going to be up in the bleachers. You're actually in the arena and everybody else gets a front row seat watching you have to be a leader and an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. And I went through, honestly, just leader to leader. I went through about 24 hours where I felt like a victim and I was pissed, angry victim mode for about 24 hours. And then I finally was like, take a breath. It's okay to be upset because you don't deserve this. Nobody deserves this, but this is what it is. And your team is watching all of their coaching friends lose their jobs, possibly wonder if they're ever, you know, if they're just going to be on unemployment for how long. I knew instinctively, like a intuition deep inside of me that this was not going to be two weeks because at the time it was, hey, just close your doors for two weeks. Take a hiatus. It'll be okay. Put all your people, yeah, put all your people on unemployment. That's a good choice. And a lot of people in fitness anyways bought that and were like, okay, let's, let's, you know, do what's best for the collective, which I'm a huge proponent of. Um, 
but it felt to me like I was this warrior. <laughs> like I don't, I have this Viking alter ego in my head of like this like maiden <laughs> warrior princess who like shows up and is like, we are not gonna back down from this. And like gathered my crew. I just was like, I need to gather the crew. I need them to know kind of where we stand with it. I need them to know that it's vulnerable. It's honest like a window into what I'm experiencing without bringing my victim self to the front because I can be a victim for a minute. I can have that moment, but that's a private moment. Mm. And then I want to be able to reassure, but be authentic and doing both is kind of hard, but I did it from 11 PM for my couch. And that's the video you saw. And that's, that's so good. And I think it's important to note when we're talking leadership, especially when we're talking feminine leadership, who you know, generally we're more in tune with our feelings and with our emotions Mm -hmm. that we don't have to be on all the damn time. Mm -hmm. It is okay to take that step and feel the feels and do what you need to, to figure it out. So long as after that, you pick yourself up and you move forward and then you keep moving forward. Yeah. I love that. One of the key things with emotion is it's energy in motion and it's going to go somewhere. So if mm-hmm. you don't give yourself that minute to grieve and let it move through you, you'll it'll come out in very odd ways that just feel like it dysfunctional. And we've all been the recipient of that kind of energy where you're like, I don't know why you're so off, but I'm dis, I'm like alarmed in your presence, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And that was not the energy we wanted. I wanted to bring. Um, and I just knew I was like, this is gonna be. You know, the news cycle was changing every 24 hours and my team was sort of like, what's going to happen? And I just had to basically just did like couch corner with Peyton every evening. What has happened? What do they not know? Because they're so client facing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, their day is spent seven sessions training people. You know, they're not sit. They don't have a lot of time sitting around. Even I mean, even in the pandemic, our company pivoted our entire business in three days online. Like everything went virtual. So they were still client facing. They were still executing sessions. They were still trying to figure out how to get a video feed to work in their living rooms. They were frustrated. They were challenged. They were criticizing the way their voice sounded on audio, you know, all the stuff that's Mm -hmm. so human. Like, oh my gosh, my thighs look really big in this video. The guys were like, oh, my hair looks weird, you know, or whatever it was. And it was like, oh my gosh, our entire team is having this crazy learning curve and they just need some perspective, pep talk, and like also a sense of they know the true story. Mm -hmm. And that's what's interesting. Otherwise they won't feel relieved. They'll feel like this is a nice PR message, Peyton, what's really going on. Yeah. So these these Peyton's Couch Corner talks that you did, did you talk just about the behind the scenes business or was it, I guess one, was it every single night? And if it was, how in the world did you find the energy to do it? And then what was what was the content and what was the purpose of that content? So very great questions. Uh, so for the first week, so I'd say from like, you know, St. Patty's Day, basically 2020 for a week, it was every night couch corner, me looking haggard, you know, like 
like just so tired and like in a bathrobe, most likely, you know, just really about to watch a Netflix show. So like picture yourself in that moment being like, okay, let's tune the team in on what do they need to know to feel confident, relieved and equipped for the next 24 hour cycle before we even know what next is happening. And then we realized, you know, these are good couch corners, but it'd be good to get some live feedback because I always believe the answer's in the room. But if I'm just talking at the team, there's not a lot of engagement. So we actually pivoted into morning like check-ins every day because it was it's very weird to go from being around each other in person to being in each other's homes or sorry, in everyone in their own home and not feeling like a team. And I have a lot of coaches that live alone um, and or could feel really isolated. And I didn't want that. Like I had my husband and my kids, like I wasn't feeling alone at home for better and worse, you know, but not everybody had that luxury. So we did that. And then the content of the calls was a lot of just me using humor and, um, and being pep, like motivational through the humor. That's kind of my shtick. I enjoy making fun of things that are rough because it, when you can crack a smile, it kind of adds some relief. Mm -hmm. And then I love being motivational. And I've, I've actually just embraced my corny self. Like I will say the thing that's like a brave heart moment. And I'm like, somehow, like I've collected all these little phrases from all the motivational speeches I've ever heard. And like, I'll just dole them out. Like, you know, they're $1 bills to little kids on Christmas. And so <laughs> I'll do that. And I've just sort of embraced it as just me, like take it or leave it. It's coming from a pure place. I actually believe it. So when I say it, I be- I hope it lands. And then just a lot of business high level stuff. Like, hey guys, here's what we're hearing. Here's what we're thinking about. If this happens, I have a lot of people on my team that are really strategic problem solvers. If you have strategic problem solvers, they're already thinking contingency plan, right? Mm-hmm. They're already game planning by plan A, B, C, D, E. If it's a form of overthinking and almost anxiety for the for the mental um exercisers of us or people who are really in our head space. And so I was like, they're already making game plans. I need to be honest about what I'm thinking too, with some options without us planning to fail. You can never plan to fail in my opinion. The question on my mind now is, did these pep talks have the desired effect? Um, I think so. It's funny because I, you know, as a leader, you can go, yeah, it really worked. Um, what I will say is I've had s- almost all of them come up to me at some point in the last year and say, I want to thank you because I never worried about my job. Wow. Or I'm ridiculously loyal to this company because when everybody else is putting their their teams out on unemployment, you guys, I knew you guys were going to make it happen for us. And um just thank you. I had their significant others thanking me for how much they didn't have to stress about their the head of household income. So that was cool. So I, I would say that those would be moments I would go, wow, that it did work then. <laughs> so, yeah. And it started with your mindset shift, right? Yeah. Because always there was this, I mean, when you have an in-person business that you're running, that is the thing that keeps your family alive and all of a sudden the world shuts down. That is a huge chaotic panic moment. So what were the things that you did that helped you shift from that chaotic panic into seeing this as an opportunity, not just 
for you and for your family, but for your business and your clients and your employees to grow. Yeah. I so desperately want to give you a few more pieces of context because it was worse than even just the pandemic for me. And then I'll share, if that's okay, some of the mindset pieces. So I had just come out of postpartum depression from having my second child. Um, I had, at the start of the pandemic, I had a three-year-old and a six-month-old. And I truly had a very rough time at postpartum with, with Jackson. And so I had just penned. And also part of it was I didn't take a maternity leave. Part of it was I was writing the course curriculum for a second business from 8 p.m. till midnight every night for six months. Oh, wow. Um on top of it, that might have been what caused the depression, but I was really just in the weeds. Mentally, I was not coming in with like a dialed morning routine. I was coming into this whole pandemic with thanking God if I got three hours of parsed sleep. Yeah. So I say that because what the tips I want to share with your audience are things that you can do now and can still serve you even when you're in a very trying time. Um, and they can still work. And then the second thing was we'd put every dollar. I'm always a believer, of course, as a consultant of having a rainy day fund and stockpiling up this kind of reserve. And we had spent every dollar, literally wrote the last $40,000 check uh, February 8th, right before the pandemic hit. So there was legitimately no room for error. And as a female, I think a lot of us have um, a certain de- need for security financially. And a lot of times our savings account represent that for us. Like if I know, uh, probably every woman listening has like a dollar amount. If it's in their savings account, you'll breathe easy. Like you can kind of weather some storms if that's there. When that's not there, it can get emotionally reactive. <laughs> and I would say mm-hmm. as somebody that has had to do a lot of work around my beliefs around money, that I was very aware that when I wrote that last check, I was, this is all pre-pandemic. I was aware when I wrote that last check that I was going to be tested because I wouldn't have that safety net and I had to be okay with it. Wow. Um, And so that 40,000, by the way, had come from my personal savings account to fund the last check for the startup company, which had already drained the business. So quite honestly, at that point, it was Roth IRA liquidation or shut the business down. So that's the state I just was in going into the pandemic. And so when it comes to mindset, I would say the most powerful shift has been for me just really recognizing when I'm in a victim mindset, when I feel like life is just being done to me, that I have no control, no ability to change. It's just one crappy situation after horrible thing I couldn't control. And I've for years spent time picking up on that. Even in postpartum depression, I'd be like, this is this is the season. Like you're not a victim in this. This is just hard. So like I would even just try to tell myself those things along the way. Like, hey, you're choosing to spend these dollars on this business. That's your choice. That's your risk. You didn't, that's not a victim thing. Like you chose that. Um doesn't mean it's not stressful, but the victim piece was huge. I let myself be a victim for 24 hours because I needed those feelings to move through me. And I don't know if a psychologist would be like, that's a functional way of doing it, but at least that's what I did. 
(laughs) And I moved those feelings out. And then I said, this could be the darker the backdrop, the brighter the light. If you want to shine like a role model for your team and for fitness, this is literally perfect for you. Mm. I know that's so corny, like I said, but I was like, yep, I'm here for that. (laughs) No, I love it. I'm all about the corny one-liners, but that fits. Yeah. And the other thing was it really felt like – um, it just really felt like it was it was time to step up. And so t- so much for me when I'm in a funk or a depression, when I have to stand up and protect others, I rise. And I, that's what it was. Like the pandemic was like, girl, you need to put your armor on. You need to do all that inner work, the mindset stuff. Like sometimes, and I hate to say it, it's kind of sad, like as a perfectionist, um, more people pleaser. So often we will do for others what we don't do for ourselves. So even when I was in postpartum in struggle, if someone had needed me, I think I could have gotten out of it sooner. But because I needed me, it was easier to stay in that moment, just to be honest. So for for me, it was my team will not have jobs if I don't rise up and make them believe that we're going to take the hill when everyone else is Mm -hmm. retreating. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I think that's incredibly common among specifically women in leadership that we are, and not even just in leadership, but women in general, we are more likely to take care of other people than we are of ourselves. Totally. And yeah, I and I think unfortunately a lot of us have, have been role modeled that selfless is the way to you know, love, being holy, all those different things, but selfish is bad. But we also simultaneously believe that you can't serve from a place of being empty. So those are in total conflict. Mm-hmm. And it makes it really hard as a woman trying to be your definition of a good wife, your definition of a good mom, your definition of a good leader, your definition of a good entrepreneur, a friend, a son, a daughter, like whatever it ends up being, like you end up feeling like there's, how am I winning? How can I win in all of these roles at the same time? And it can be very hard to do. It can be real hard. And so once upon a time, I had a a mentor who told me like, what is it? Why do you think you're not being a good wife? Why, why do you think you're not being a good mother? And what does that, what is that definition to you? You know, I'd, I'd give my definition. Well, if I'm a good wife, I'm this and this and this and this. Well, if I'm a good mother, I'm this and that and the next thing. And my mentor asked me, what does your husband think a good wife is? Ooh. And let me tell you his definition of a good wife and my <laughs> definition of a good wife. Man, I was doing way too much work. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so classic. I believe that. But that's that's what we as women yeah. do. Um, and it's not always the most intuitive thing. But I know you like to talk specifically about the opposite of that, which is intuitive leadership. Yes. So let's flip gears here and and talk that piece. Well, intuitive leadership, I mean, being intuitive, we're all, I think part of, for me, the journey has been in recognizing my daughter as an intuitive empath. And what I mean by that is she sees into people's souls. I mean, even as a child, people would be like, gosh, I feel like she's looking into my soul. And I'd be like, she probably is, (laughs) you know? (laughs) 
I just knew she was deeply like an old soul. She's an old soul in a little child's body. Like she'll just look at me and say, mom, I'm just a child. It's my job to practice and I'm not going to get it all perfect, but I'm doing my job, mom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're four. Like, how do you, like, I'm still practicing in my life. I don't have this thing figured out. You know, she's just like that. So when I say intuitive leadership, I'm talking almost like a childlike innocence that can pierce through all the chaos and all the distractions and all the noise and call it what it is or know the deep truth behind it. And we lose that because I think so often as women, we're not taught that that can be trusted because it often comes up in emotions and it often comes up in just an inner knowing that you can't logically explain, but you have it. Mm -hmm. And in in the lifetime of humans on earth, Women have been um, venerated for our instincts because we can, because it's a survival thing for for us typically. Um, It's not saying men can't be intuitive, but women, I mean, it's one of the things like wise women, like the wise women that can see through the lie, mm-hmm. look in and say, we need to make a shift here and, and whole armies would follow, you know? And like, so anyways, to me, I'm like, okay, so, so the intuitive leadership is really allowing yourself to have your instincts play. And nothing was a better breeding ground for me to test that than the pandemic where I would just be having an uneasy feeling. And instead of having to logically reassess it and create like a full argument around it or a case for it, I would just go with it. And it served me really well in crisis. That's great. And such a powerful lesson that we can and should trust, trust that intuition, trust those instincts and relate back to our feelings and figure out what are my feelings in this moment trying to tell me. Yes. One of the most important things I learned in 2020 was that your emotions have information tied to them. It's not, I feel angry because I'm angry. It's, I feel angry because there's something about this situation that is causing this stress. So when you figure it out, you no longer have to, you know, at the risk of sounding like the ultimate millennial, you no longer have to be triggered by it because you can tell it's going to come up. Yeah, I love it. I will, I totally believe it. Just as you said, that emotions carry messages. I think that's beautifully put. All right. So for, well, I mean, the entire world's still going through this pandemic crisis, but for the most part, I would like to think that we kind of start to have a handle on it. But for somebody going through, uh, whether it's a, a work crisis or an individual crisis, some sort of high stress time at home, what would you say are the the one or two things that they can do to see an immediate change? Um, well, this is going to be, this is, you're going to have resistance probably as a listener to this thing I'm going to say, because it's literally changed my life because it's going to sound really hard, which is take two hours a day to be alone. And in a pandemic with your kids in the house and running a business and probably being an overachieving female, that literally sounds like the worst prescription known to man. 
but I really believe in it. I believe that as leaders, you need space and not space to sit there and create to-do lists and to do the, the, the little things like literally physically removing yourself, putting yourself in a tranquil, nurturing environment and allowing you to just be because that's when your best ideas, your inner guidance, your like just direction comes when you give yourself a minute to step out of the chaos and the fray and be with yourself and think about just, I mean, not even have an agenda, literally free yourself from all expectation and just be by yourself and watch magic happen. Like, no, you will have guidance, you will have insight, you will have the best brainstorming creative idea you've ever had because you gave yourself the very thing nobody's giving themselves right now is the ability to step out of the chaos and just be at peace. And it's huge. That's what I would say. Two hours. I know, I know. And that's the part that gets everyone. You hate sleep. No, I actually, well, I mean, like I said at the beginning of the pandemic, I was getting woken up at 4 a.m. You know, I was up working till midnight. I was not sleeping and it was not good for me physically. Um, I had almost contracted an autoimmune disease where a doctor was like, if you don't slow down, you're going to get Hashimoto's. I can tell you right now, your adrenals are shot. And I had that little moment in the fall. And that's when I started my two hours because I, that was, you know, six months into a pandemic, I was excusing all of my habits of neglect. Really. If I were to be totally honest, I was just really neglecting me because I thought I could just, I would joke. I'm like, I'm going to see how long I can do this. Like a crazy person. Oh, good. Let's add all the torture, you know, sleep deprivation, keeping children alive, saving two businesses, zero in the savings account. Like, let's do all that. And let's just see what one woman can handle, which obviously it wasn't just a one woman show. There was an entire team around me. Everyone had their own traumas and, and stressors. But it really was the two hours. And you can find two hours. That's the scary part is I could find it. And that's when I was like, geez, what have I been doing for so long by watching Netflix for two hours? That's a no brainer. Most of us can easily watch four episodes of something and realize, wow, it was nine. Now it's 11. I got to go to bed. Yeah. Wow. I, I 100% agree. And I am hesitant to figure out where I could find my two hours because I know that there's probably more than two hours there. Yeah. And it, um, yeah. So I just decided that I was enough of a hypochondriac that when the doctor told me you're going to get Hashimoto's and I already was presenting like four out of five symptoms violently, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm one symptom away. And that's sort of what I would consider my rock bottom was, okay, that will propel me to do the thing that I can't do, which is to do something for me to restore my soul so I can truly show up in my greatest, highest self um, for the team, for my family, for myself, et cetera. And so I feel like doing something that dramatic sometimes does come from hitting a rock bottom. Um, But I will say, even if it's not that, even if it's just half an hour and just going on a walk, you know, start Mm -hmm. with what you can be successful in and see if you can find more time. Also for me was turning on music and dancing in the kitchen. I mean, sometimes obviously with the lights off or like a little candle, like 
I will literally dance in the kitchen. And this is not stuff that you hear a lot of female CEOs being like, this is what to do. Go be in nature. Go dance in your kitchen. But this is the stuff that relieves stress and allows you to get back into you, into your body, into like being fluid, being lighthearted. You can't dance and feel heavy and upset. I mean, I guess you could, you could move through those feelings, but it's getting you to move through those feelings. And yeah, I was putting on like headphones, right? And, you know, NSYNC is playing and all the 90s hits are in (laughs) in my head. And my husband's like completely oblivious watching some documentary. And I'm like in there just having a blast in the kitchen. But those are the things that honestly, when I look back and I'm like, those might be as valuable as any kind of inner child work or deep therapy or read the read this book and get 17 new things you have to do in a morning routine. So like for me it was just simplicity but commitment in any amount and I did do the 2 hours a day cold turkey but I think a lot of that came from me really hitting that bottom and I hope um I believe people could probably babysit themselves into a place where they could could um you know, find that two hours. It may not have to be day one, but it could be eventual. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So if people want to come check out what you are doing in your two hours or business tips or any more information about you and what you've been doing and how you've been handling the pandemic, where can they find you? The best place right now is to find me on Instagram. My handle is at Payton Hughes. And I do share a lot of my two hours and what I'm up to. I'm a big believer in investing in myself and sharing what I'm learning because I feel like it keeps me uh, authentic and honest about my journey. And I have a lot of women that follow me that are ambitious and want to be good moms and want to be good wives and feel like they're drowning. And those are my people. Especially if they're high performers (laughs) because it's its own prison in a way. Um, And so those are my people and we vibe out on Instagram and I share all the things I'm learning as soon as I feel I've I've locked in a learning and I'm not so raw that it feels like it's maybe too much of a share. All right. Well, Peyton, thank you so much for joining me today. It's, It's been a joy. And uh, I wish you and your businesses and your babies and your two hours practice all of the best moving forward. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I sincerely hope that you got something out of today that you are going to be able to take and use on your journey to wherever it is you're going. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your takeaways on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Sarah May Ski on Instagram. While you're waiting for the next episode, please check out our exclusive Beyond Leadership community over on Facebook to connect with more like-minded and like-hearted individuals dedicated to learning, leading, and encouraging right alongside you every day. Until next time, let's go.